On today's episode, we'll be breaking down the draft hall of the Pacific Division teams coming up on Locked On NHL Prospects. You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Locked On NHL Prospects. Hattie Kalakesh here with Sebastian High, representing the podcast uh, of Locked On NHL Prospects, your team every day. On this podcast, we break down everything prospects-related for you five days a week, Monday to Friday. Uh, now, we'll be breaking down today's Pacific Division Draft Hall. Uh, we've gone through the first, uh, the, the other divisions, and now it's the Pacific Division's time. We'll break down picks from Anaheim, Calgary, Edmonton, LA, San Jose, Seattle, Vancouver, and Vegas. So we got a lot to cover here. Uh, but before I get into any of it, just make sure if you're watching on YouTube to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment saying uh, what your thoughts are on this episode. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. It's always very much appreciated. So, Sebastian, let's get into it. Uh, now, it. yeah, no, absolutely. Anaheim is an interesting one. They had a lot of picks in the top 60. They had four of them. Um, mm -hmm. And this was a draft with a very decent amount of first round talent. So uh, I wanted to kind of break down who they got here. First and foremost, the second overall, I think Leo Carlson was in the discussion for sure. I don't know if I would have picked him ahead of Fantilli, uh, but they were close enough for me that it wasn't that much of an issue. I had him in different tiers, but it was kind of a, a, a situation where I could understand if a team went with Leo Carlson. Um, for you, what's the main difference you know, between those two guys? I think Carlson has the higher floor between the two. I think I think he's he's a slightly safer top six center, whereas Fantilli, I think a lot of people have kind of pigeonholed him as like, oh, he's the safe pick over Mitchkov, whereas in reality, he plays with chaos, and he needs to be reined in a little bit from the way he played in the NCAA to translate to, to the NHL. Yeah. At the same time, I don't think that you can really compare the upside between the two players. I think Fantilli is quite a league above in that in, in, in that sense. He he is a player of unlimited skill, and he is so creative, and he's so daring and confident offensively, which is something that you see with Carlson in flashes. But there isn't that consistent confidence and almost this like cockiness of just trying anything that you possibly can. Yep. And I think with Fantilli, it's that confidence that, that, that gives him a, that, that higher ceiling. And I think his tools are a little bit better across the board than Carlson's. Yep. I was, I, I can't say I was surprised about Anaheim picking Carlson. He's a very Anaheim style player. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, they're going to be able to run a center core consisting of two of Zegris, Carlson and um, McTavish. McTavish course yeah. uh and then one of them can move to the wing but you got two of those guys as your, as your top six centers you're looking pretty good so mm -hmm. I, I it's not a bad pick whatsoever carlson is is a second overall caliber player without a shadow of a doubt in my view in any other draft for that's sure. the There's thing no, yeah but i think that fantilli would have been a great fit in anaheim as well at the same time you already have your crazy high skill player in zegris down the middle i can see a bit of maybe that hesitation stopping yeah. them from going Fantilia too, because Carlson is more is going to be more responsible defensively. I think, yes, he barely played center this year, but he should have played center all year because he is a center. And uh, it's a very interesting pick, but uh, 
I, I get it from Anaheim's standpoint, though I probably wouldn't have made the same selection. No, 100%. Uh, now, for me, Niko Majatovic, I'm not surprised at all to see him gone at 33. He was much lower in my rankings, but I understand kind of the safety of, of what he brings to the game, especially his playoffs showed a lot of what he's capable of doing for, sure. uh, for Seattle. For me, picking him above Sachin is just, it's weird. Uh yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. But for me, Kerry Torrance is a decent pick at 59. For sure. For me, he was third-round caliber, but I really like, again, just the safety of his profile, the intensity, the effort level. Um, and he's got some decent flashes of playmaking, so maybe they get something out of that. Uh, I do want to focus on Colson Petra, though, because I know you've watched a lot more of him than yes. I have. And you've got great things to say about him. I wasn't really always sure of what he brings to the game, but talk I'm to me about him. I'm also a bit more of a skeptic. I think on the Dauber team, I think it was Luke Sweeney who was really a, quite a big fan of, yeah. of Petra. I struggled with him. Uh, he He's a really great skater. He's super fluid. Like at his best, he can make your jaw drop in terms of combining his fluidity and skill and he can drive the net. And when he puts it all together, it's really impressive. But in my experience, it was quite rare. He's not the most engaged player off puck. Uh, I'm not sure if if he has all of the the habits to maybe translate his style of play to the NHL because he plays a style of skill and fluidity, but his tools aren't of the level that make me confident of that being doable in the NHL as he's currently constructed stylistically. Mm -hmm. uh, however, I kind of, I do like this swing. I probably would have only taken it in like the fifth or sixth round. Uh, and like the late, like the, the early third is a bit high for me. Uh, yep. I mean, the first pick of the third round, like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a high draft slot for sure. Like he went the pick after, like, like right after height and such and, and such. Like that's yeah. a high pick. And I don't, I wasn't quite blown away enough by the skill in order to have had the confidence to make that selection and take that risk. But I can mm -hmm. see how it was made. I, I kind of find it interesting that after that Leo Carlson pick, that was kind of that, that, okay, we're going safe. They took a lot of big swings where it's a thing of, okay, either they're hoping to transform the way these players play the game and they're trying to work with the toolkits, or they're hoping that, that they can get these players to defy the odds and make it with this these intriguing styles. Like, yeah. Arnold Dionicho, uh, I mean, listen to Mitch Brown, what he has to say about him, uh, because he he loves Dionicho, but he is, he is a high-skill, overager defenseman, uh, really deceptive with the puck, awful skater but really intelligent he's a really good playmaker and he played a, quite a few games at forward I, I i don't i didn't know how to feel him at forward he kind of just was there an interesting net front presence some rare high-end plays but i didn't quite see the consistency that i was looking for there even though mm -hmm. the the manually tracked data does not agree with me on that so yeah definitely have to say that too but no a lot for of sure. swings for anaheim but uh as a whole it's very much a class where i'm like wait and see rather than something where i can be immediately very enthusiastic for sure now moving on to calgary real quick we've got samuel hansik at 16 i'm okay with this he grew on me he's one player that i probably should have ranked higher than i did um really intelligent but he's got the nhl frame he's got the physical elements uh and especially he's got a lot of little playmaking quirks that I really like. Um, but for me, Etienne Morin at 48. I, I think we're both on the same page about this. This is really high. I mean, you, you are uh, not the biggest fan of his translatability to the NHL. To put it not lightly. really. I, I understand the smarts are there, but outside of that, it's just and the for production. Me, if you're saying yeah. the production, I kind of get it, but it's the cue. 
But go, yeah. going back to Hanzek, I adore this pick. I think it's such a great calorie pick. Yeah, uh, I'm a really big fan of Hanzek. I, I am ranked 20th, uh, so picking him at 16 is perfectly fine in my view. Yeah. And he fits what they're trying to build, I think. I think he fits the style of play that Calgary's kind of known for. Mm-hmm. And he ha- he plays a pro-style game. He's, he's the best puck protector in the entire draft class. He probably has the longest reach in the entire draft class. Yeah. Uh, he's really skilled. He has great hands. He's an underrated playmaker, and he has a wicked shot. That like he's an, he's a really really good goal scorer from the bumper position on the power play, and he can kind of shift from that to the net front and be really effective there. I think you're getting a really adaptable offensive piece here, and I think he's intelligent enough to also build a stronger defensive game with time. Absolutely. There's also the Adar Suniev pick at 80, probably the worst skater in the draft, but outside of that, he's extremely skillful. He is uh, the worst skater in the draft. Uh, yeah. But, but, and he's so intense and he's really intelligent. He has a wicked shot. Like, he has a couple of those building blocks that are really, really enticing. And I can understand totally why a team would swing on him. And in the third round, I would have swung on him too. So, uh, yeah. Cal- Calgary, look, the Morin pick is a bit much for me. Apart from that, I like it. Like, Axel, yeah. her taking the seven is totally fine. I haven't watched Yegor Yegorov, but I love the name. So Me neither, fan. yeah, fantastic name. And Jade Lipinski uh, in the fourth is totally fine as well. Like, that's like, fine, yeah. This is, this is a stronger draft than than I'm used to from, from Calgary. Like, 2021, I thought was also quite a strong one. But uh, apart from that, I'm not really used to Calgary drafting really well. And I think this is, like, a really solid B plus, A minus class. Absolutely. Now we'll come back and discuss Edmonton, Los Angeles, and San Jose in our second segment right after these messages. Our next partner is AG1, the daily foundation nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I gave AG1 a try, and now every morning before I drink my cup of coffee when I'm out perched on my front porch, I also take some AG1, and it really helps me feel energized and ready to take on the next day. I'm always after some new ways of healthily gaining some more energy, and AG1 works pretty well for me. If a comprehensive solution is what you are after, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first port purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash NHL network to check it out. That is drinkag1 slash NHL network. Go check it out. All right, so for our second segment, we're going to be discussing Edmonton, LA, and San Jose in terms of their draft picks and the draft haul they got. Now, Edmonton's pretty straightforward. Pretty quick. Second, the the pick in the sixth and the pick in the seventh. So, have have you watched the picks in the sixth and the seventh? Because I have not scouted them. Me neither. So, let's focus on Bo Akius. Bo Look, look, I'm not used, again, for some reason, Albertan teams and, and drafting, but. I'm not used to Edmonton making like really, really high value selections, especially in the top two rounds. And Bo yep. Akey is just that. Like getting Bo Akey, who is a tremendously mobile right shot defenseman, one of the one of, if not the best transition defender in the entire draft class, uh, some really untapped offensive potential that was really starting to show a lot more in the second half of the season. Uh, this is a high upside swing, and I like it a ton. I had Bo Akey ranked, I believe, top 40. Uh, just at the top end of my second round, mm-hmm. and I really like this pick. Uh, he grew on me a lot as the season progressed, um, and uh, I think Edmonton got a keeper here. I think, especially if you can kind of, if you can get him to the to the NHL on a third pairing to start with, like with a guy like Brett Kulak. I mm-hmm. think Bo could learn a ton from a player like Brett Kulak in terms of 
that combination of mobility, transition defending, and puck moving ability. Yeah. But Aki has a offensive potential that way exceeds Brett Kulak's. But mm-hmm. I think you like if if everything goes well in his development, I think you can get a, a really fun second pairing guy here. And there's upside beyond that. Like Bo Aki is a high upside swing, and uh, I like that pick a ton for Edmonton. Absolutely, same here. I mean. Just the transition ability alone should be his ticket to the NHL. It's it's just fantastic. I didn't understand at the start of the year why he got, a, I think, an A grade from Central Scouting at the midseason rankings. Uh, but I quickly realized yeah. why as the, as the year ended. Now, moving on to Los Angeles, they didn't have a first rounder, but they got Jakob Dvorak at 54th overall. I knew he was going to go in the top 60. I don't I think see it's much. Fine. It's fine. Like, especially yeah. if you're picking him in, in the late, like mid to late second, well, late second. Mm-hmm. totally fine he is big he's mobile uh he is a bit of a deer in the headlights under pressure coming from ahead of him but he's weirdly good on retrievals mm-hmm. uh there isn't much offense in this game but if he becomes a bottom four defensive presence who's mobile and is a decent passer when not pressured yeah eh, that's i think it's fine but i think especially if you switch that pick with 78 where they got cohen yeah. zemer who fell further than they should have, in my view, despite uh-huh. the big question marks that remain in this game. Yep. Yeah. How do you feel about the Zemer pick? I love it. I mean, at 78, I start, I, I've, I've always had kind of my reservations and doubts about Zemer, but not to a level round. where I saw him. Yeah, no. And the third round is fantastic value. I would have started considering him at 45. That was where yeah. I, I kind of had him. So flipping him with Dvorak makes a lot of sense. For me, Zemer is just, he's a fantastic scorer. He's got some decent flashes of playmaking elements i don't like the awareness and and the the inside driven game i think he's fairly peripheral especially off the rush he loves mm-hmm. to drop down the line the lane and um you know loves to drop down the boards and just take shots from the outside which right now works i'm not sure how it translates but i think that he's smart enough in order to develop a better kind of inside game um as he grows but for me the main guy out of this draft that i'm just absolutely astounded at the values matthew mania 150. at 150 that's mm. ridiculous yep i mean you can talk about him in length i love him as well but i'll let you carry on oh mania i love him i mean every time i talk about him, i have to say his style matches his name and i adore that to my core like he plays with chaos like he plays a manic style of hockey and that is mm-hmm. amazing to me uh, but beyond that, this is another high upside swing, kind of along the lines like like Bo Aiki. I have them ranked in a similar range as well. Uh, he's not as refined as Aiki is. He's not as good of a skater as Aiki is. But he's way more daring offensively. He tries things. He's really poised under pressure. He's he's one of the best defenders in this draft class at drawing in pressure in order mm-hmm. to make a play and create space for teammates and make maybe make a little saucer pass into space. And he's really really intelligent and composed, which is a great combination. Now defensively, he's a bit more chaotic, and uh, he'll need to rein that in a bit. But he's raw, and he'll, he'll need time. But if you're picking a guy in the fifth round, you're not expecting to get an NHL player within the next three, four years. So you can yeah. give him that time. I'd say give him another two years in the O, give him two or three years in the AHL, and I think you're getting a really fun player after that, and it's worth the investment. So Mania I, at 150 is an awesome pick. 
Agreed, absolutely. So now we've got a big one in San Jose. Two first rounders, a second rounder, a third, a couple of fifths, a couple of sevens. But let's focus on the top end here. We've got Will Ooh. Smith at fourth. Hmm. For me, this it's decent at this range. There were a couple of guys I still, you know, would have taken ahead. I absolutely love Zach Benson. I absolutely love Matt Famichkov. Yeah. But Smith was one of these guys that you knew was going to be gone by fourth overall. Yeah. And he absolutely was. Um, fantastic with the puck great stick handler, uh, great playmaker, does rely a lot on spacing, and his his foot speed doesn't match his play style. I've always said he plays like a Zegras, he plays like a Cooley, but without the speed. Mm-hmm. So even though a guy like Zach Benson is a less good skater, I'm more concerned about Will Smith skating because it doesn't match the playing style. Um, yeah. But for me, the, the value that they got in Quinn Musty at 26 oh my is God. just it's, absurd. It, he never should have fallen that far, and I think the public really, really liked him a lot, especially towards the end of the season. Like the second yeah. half, like when Sudbury made the coaching change and he started finding some awesome chemistry along with Coach Delic mm-hmm. on that top line in Sudbury. Oof, he he was rocking up boards. I mean, he finished at 11th for us at Dauber. I think he finished yeah. at 11th on my personal board as well. Uh, he is a high-end talent. And yes, he is raw. You're, you're getting far from a complete package here. But... In terms of raw toolkit, he must be top six in the draft class. He Absolutely. he is an elite level handler, an elite level playmaker, and a really da- has has a damn good wrist shot. The slap mm-hmm. shot mechanics are weirdly weak, I think, by contrast. But that can work. Like, you can work on that with time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's a true triple threat in the offensive zone, and he's super creative. He's learned to use his line mates a lot better to to create space and and make plays and. He's far less selfish than he was to start the season, which was a great progression to see. Uh, as a whole, it's an awesome pick. And I also quite like the 36 pick for Casper Haltonen. I, I I had him ranked a little bit lower, but I can totally understand why a team would swing on him. He he was kind of snake-bitten in terms of, of, of Liga scoring. He did not have a single goal, I don't believe, in Liga, but he had over four expect, like, individual expected goals. Uh, because he shoots a lot and he's good at finding goal scoring positions and he get, gets there consistently and mm-hmm. he was just absolutely snake bitten but he has a ridiculously good shot he's scored yeah. a ton in junior uh and I he think, loves to shoot he and just he loves absolutely, to shoot but like he had 15 was, plus shots multiple times this year it was insane but it was it was very clear to me also at the at the u18s it really confirmed things for me where i i had already thought like this is by far the best finished player in this draft class for quite a good segment of the season and at the U18s, like he was Finland at the U18s, yeah. and oh, absolutely. and he was their star. And I can totally see the rationalization of this pick. Now, I think he needs to work a bit on his give and go game. I think the the distribution needs to work a bit. I think he defaults to shooting a bit too much. Yeah. I think he could be a bit more active off puck. Like obviously, there are things that need to be work up worked on because you're picking him in the second round. Mm-hmm. There's never you're never going to get a complete NHL ready impactful player in the second round. But I can I, I like this pick. It's a sneaky good pick in my view, and yeah. I've I've liked Halton in a lot more than I think a lot of other people in the public. I think many have some reservations, but I I always had a bit of a soft spot for him. Oh yeah, I, I certainly do have my reservations. I just I like specialists in the second round. You know, if yes. you've got a player who's got one tool that really exceeds all the rest. Yep. Um, and, and it's top end in the draft, and you want to take a swing um, in the second round, no problem with that. Speaking of which, Luca Canyoni. Luca Canyoni, your boy. Go ahead. Yeah, my bo- I've had him in you. the first round like I know. all year. I have top, so top 20 all year. Come on. Pump <laughs> your own tires a bit here. No, exactly. I, 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 
I love this pick at 123rd. I mean, for me, probably the smartest play, the smartest defenseman in this class by by a decent margin. I love the intelligence on Canyoni, his awareness, his scanning habits, his understanding of positioning in the defensive zone and in the offensive zone. He compensates for his lack of size and size and speed so well. For me, he's basically a defensive version of Zach Benson with obviously a lot less skill. Um, but he's still able to make a decent first pass. He's able to get himself out of pressure. Um, he's he's able to to open up shooting lanes at the blue line, especially. He's a really good offensive defenseman. But I think that you can refine his defensive game, improve his skating, and you can get a really, really good kind of number two, number three, two-way two, two way defenseman out of him if you develop him well. But this is a pick that really you're kind of giving the reins to your development team and trusting them with making a good player out of Canyoni because he does need a lot of refining to get where he can. But the baseline of intelligence is so high that all you need to do is just work on the toolkit, um, work on improving the skating, tweaking it a bit, making him a bit more explosive, yeah. uh, and maybe adding a bit more core strength to him so that he can get under opponent's hands and, and make hits. And you've got an NHLer. I mean, he's just a fantastic thinker of the game and, I love those uh, in in the first round. So for me, getting him at 123rd is easily one of the steals of the draft. Not everyone's on the same page <laughs> across yeah. the public sphere, but I in love the, what in the fourth. Been. It's awesome, and I think as a whole, San Jose had a really strong draft. Absolutely. I think they landed four really high end talents in it, yeah. and if some of the other players that we haven't mentioned also hit, even better. Absolutely. So now we'll be discussing uh, Seattle, Vegas, and Vancouver in our third segment. We'll get to it right after these messages. Some more great stuff coming up on today's episode of Locked On NHL Prospects. But just before we get into it, I want to talk to you about Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs is a great brand of shorts and pants. They offer some great quality, but also don't sacrifice uh, comfort for one bit. I love the stretch on their khaki shorts. Uh, they get, kind of give you, do the same thing as Lululemons, but they fit way better. Uh, they also especially fit way better than regular shorts, which kind of have that that stiff, cottony feel. Uh, Bird, Bird Dogs fixed this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that stretches way better, um, and, and it looks just like khaki. So you get that slimmer kind of classy fit without sacrificing comfort at all. They also invented uh, anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long, uh, which for a big guy like me is it, it's a it's a big deal. Let's be honest. Uh, so go to their website today at birddogs.com and use a forward slash locked on NHL. Enter the promo code locked on NHL for a free Yeti style tumbler with your first purchase. Again, that's birddogs.com slash locked on NHL for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. You won't want to take bird dogs off. We can promise you that. All right, so moving on to Seattle in uh, the first round here, we'll talk about Edward Shala, then move our way down to their three second round picks uh, and a couple other really good picks they made in this draft. So let's get into it with Shala. He dropped in a lot of rankings. He was, for me, a guy I would have considered in the top seven, top eight at the start of the year. But mm -hmm. as the year went on, especially as he was playing on uh, Berno in the Czech League, you could see that... The pro was tape it? was bad. Like, yeah. every every pro viewing I had of him was quite painful. But mm -hmm. by contrast, the U20 and U18 viewings were really good. Exactly. But with, with him, the risk is, can you get him in a, like do, playing well in a pro league? And I yep. think if, if you can get him to translate his junior style to the pro league, you're getting a really fun player. But mm -hmm. if you don't, I don't know if you're getting a player at all. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's the risk with Shala. For me, there was a bit of an overcompensation. I feel like, you know, he he ended up at 22nd uh, on my rankings. I had him Mainly... outside my first. I was a big skeptic, personally. Yeah, no, and I get it. But for me, it's just knowing the way that Berno likes their players playing, the situations he were he was put in were awful. 
in yeah. terms of what he does well. Oh, he's not a defensive contributor. I, I don't think he ever will be. Um, but he's been he was kind of shoe lined into those situations because of his size. He's not the biggest, he's not the strongest player, but he's fairly big in terms of height. And they thought, okay, well, this is our two way forward, and they would put him in two way forward situations when that's absolutely not his. He's game. one of the least physical players in this entire draft class. Exactly. So they, <laughs> like... they put him in situations where he had to forecheck, he had to man the boards, and he's not made for that. He's a really, really good open ice player. He has the potential to be a high end top six forward who scores seventy plus points a season. Absolutely. And if I rank him that late when he had all that pre draft hype as well, doesn't look good. But I just it's a strong draft class and there are players that just convinced me and I wasn't quite able to rationalize the more abstract potential of Shala over players that I was a lot more actively enthusiastic about. No, absolutely. Uh, moving on to the three second round picks. I think this is an, a decent ish haul. Carson Rakop at 50. Toolsy. I was a bit of, yeah, He's very toolsy. toolsy. I thought he was really just a kind of a, a goal scoring forward at the start of the year. But as the year went on, I saw some decent handling skills some decent playmaking flashes of high end intelligence in terms of the plays that he was connecting. And yeah, I'm OK with this, but he's really he's one of the most inconsistent players in this draft, in my opinion. Like, There's just you're, you're, you're picking him for his combination of goal scoring, size and handling. That, that yeah. is it. You're not you're not drafting him for off puck engagement. You're not act, uh, drafting him for offensive creativity. While the playmaking has improved, I would still call him more of an offensive distributor rather than a playmaker. He doesn't yeah. like manipulate passing lanes or try to like create space for teammates. It's more if there's a pass available, he will now consider it. Whereas in the past, yeah. he'd be shooting by default. So he's yeah. kind of changing his habits there, but I'm not quite sure how high end that playmaking ceiling is. At the same yeah. time, I think you like if all goes well, you get a middle six winger who can score goals, lay hits, and uh, has some electric electrifying handling plays and that's fun i like that that's a yeah. really fun profile but especially when you combine it with a pick like oscar fisker molgard two picks later starting to look a lot better to me because ofm is my likening in, in this draft i think if um yep. if a team wants to develop him he he has the ceiling of being that complimentary top six guy where yes like you, we watch him play you're not like dumbfounded by the skill or the tools but he does everything that elite linemates could possibly ask for and yep. to me he's insanely is, dependable just he's so insanely dependable. dependable and he's so versatile and does so many things at a really high level where mm -hmm. i think that if you if you surround him with really high-end linemates and seattle's gonna have that if you mm -hmm. if you put him with a guy like maddie veneers and jagger Fergus, for instance i think that could work quite nicely but yeah uh there's a lot of options with him and he is in my view a very very safe pick in the best way possible in terms of i had him ranked in the first round i thought he was a safe first round pick so getting him at 52 is awesome value yeah and especially when you contrast the safeness of of oscar fisker mulgard with the two picks after that and lucas dragasevich and Caden price two of the higher Perfect. risk defensemen yeah. i think if you if you let a pick like ofm allow you to take risks like these afterwards even that's better perfectly fine dragasevich worst rush defender i've ever scouted in my entire life but at the same like, time and we are skeptics there. like yeah. we, we are skeptics but i like this pick like i do i i like him this late in the draft especially drafted by seattle of all teams yeah. i think that improves his chances by a decent amount <laughs> and he has no pressure being drafted by Seattle right now. He's a, he's their fourth pick of the draft class. He can, mm -hmm. they can just develop him as an offensive defenseman. That's awesome. I think this is a great situation for him. And I, I, I think 
if I were Seattle with the 57th overall pick, I could have been convinced to pick Dragosevich, even if I am a bit more skeptic. But mm-hmm. even better than that pick, I think, is Caden Price at 84, one of the most yeah. toolsy defensemen in the entire draft class. I know you quite like his tools. So what's what's your take here? I love the toolkit. I really think that he's, on his day, he's one of the most intelligent, most refined. You know, he he, he just looks so translatable when he's playing a good game. The thing is, as as poorly surrounded as he is on Kelowna, especially on defense when he yeah. has a bad game it really shows and it's he he there were games where he looked like the most translatable defenseman out of this draft and there were other games where he looked like a do not draft player yeah so it's just the the tape is wildly different on any given game and like i said it's mainly because of the lack of surrounding skill and he's um, one of the young, youngest players in the class too i believe yeah. he's, he's an august birthday so yeah. you got you got a, some nice runway there and i'm really curious to see how he progresses next season because Yes, yep. there were some some really like like gut wrenching moments in terms of like watching it as, as a scout. Like the decision making on times was just there were oh some my rough goodness. patches there for yeah. sure. But he never should have fallen to the third round, in my view. And getting yeah. him at eighty fourth of all picks, oh, that's a great swing for Seattle. And the, the two other picks I kind of wanna wanna give a shout out to are the last two picks of Seattle in the draft class. I think getting Zeb Fjord's fall and Zachariah Wisdom with a sixth and a seventh is pretty damn good value value. yeah you're not getting a guaranteed nhl with either player but you're taking a nice swing and zachary wisdom deserved to get picked last year i think i'm I'm very happy that he finally got selected towards the end of this draft and zeb forcefield is really skilled he's really fun uh he's he's a long shot but i think if he makes it you get an electrifying middle six piece and if you can take that swing in the sixth round that's nice value for sure Absolutely. So let's move on to Vancouver. Now, uh, I don't know if you agree with this, but I feel like they were maybe going to fill a need. Right, D? Really? Right, D? (laughs) So yeah, Tom Villander at 11th, just ahead of uh, someone uh, we kind of like called Zach Benson. I love Villander. I think he really grew on me as the year went on. I especially yeah. like the skating ability combined with the rush defending combined with the some intelligence. flashes. Man, the intelligence is high end as well, but at 11, it's kind of high. I know right-handed defensemen have a premium on them, and they usually yeah. go high in the draft, but you don't pick for need in the top 15, in my opinion. You go for the best player available. And for me, at 11, Volander wasn't. Um, I think there were other players. For me, it was mainly because Zach Benson was on the board. I think if Benson yeah. hadn't been, I would have been very okay with the selection. I had Volander ranked 15th. I had him ranked one slot ahead of David Reinbacher. The two are a toss-up for me. I just kind of want to make a statement for for Volander by by having that him in that one spot ahead. He's a great player, yeah. But he's 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 really really good. I think he's going to be a long-term top four defenseman. And mm-hmm. spending a top fifteen pick on that asset is not bad asset management at all. Yep. I think he's he's going to be an NHLer within the next two years. I think he's going to be a really good NHLer within three or four. And you're getting a player who is a super intelligent defense d- defender and. If he can learn from Lane Hudson at BU of how to activate offensively, he has the passing ability and the intelligence to become a really fun playmaker. And mm-hmm. I think there's definitely a chance that you see his offensive ceiling rise a couple significant notches at BU, yeah. uh, especially in a situation where he can learn from, from Lane Hudson and Lane Hudson will be able to learn from him because Belander is a tremendous skater. His pivots are elite. Uh, he's a really great rush defender and in zone defender. And those are all aspects that Lane Hudson needs to improve. So I think that those two will have a really fun dynamic at BU. And I think they're going to be helping each other a lot in their respective developments. 
Absolutely. And real quick on Bruce Stevitz, uh, their pick of, uh, at 75th overall. I think this is decent value, 75. I had him ranked yeah. higher than that. Um, really, really good playmaking kind of puck-moving defenseman. He's very passive, though. So improving the effort level, improving the consistency in the defensive zone will help him a lot. And then finally, we'll end things off with the Vegas Golden Knights. I am, you know, they had four picks, and I think they nailed them all. Um, David Edstrom at, at 32, it's a bit high for my liking. but It's a very it's a- Vegas pick. It's a very, it's a contenderous pick. Like if they like sure. Nick Waugh, they're gonna really like David Edstrom. Exactly. There's for untapped sure. skill. Like, uh, what did you find about Edstrom at the at the U18? So I thought that was kind of a breakout performance, and yeah. I didn't quite see the same level of player in league tape that I did at the U18s. Exactly. For me, Estrom really showed that he is so mature for his age in terms of his abilities. Um, A lot of his skill set is very refined. He's not the type of player who's going to exceed expectations offensively in any margin. not flashy. Exactly. But everything he does, he does really purposefully. And that's what I like about Estrom is everything's got a purpose to his game. But for me, yeah, what's going to be his 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 kind of bread and butter at the NHL level is definitely the defensive game for me. It's, it's, it's his biggest strength, his ability to anticipate passing lanes to get into them. So for me, you know, you're, you're drafting a defensive kind of middle six to bottom six center. Who's almost definitely going to make the NHL, which is very, very Vegas. Uh, But the Matthew Cataford pick for me at 77 is decent. I think that Cataford has a lot. He's kind of a Jack of all trades, master of none, but it's kind of good in a sense once you hit the third round because he's really intense. The intensity is great. And I think like, especially if you're Vegas and you just, won the Stanley Cup with a bunch of high-energy bottom six forwards. Exactly. I understand why you're picking Cataford here. I I don't think he's at the William Carrier level of, of effective bottom sixer in terms of projection, but yeah. I, I I understand the reasoning, but there were just so many players left on the board that I would have swung on. Like, Jaden Perron is the big one for me. That, That's one that, yeah, it's the it's one that got a, away. It's a very different projection there, but mm-hmm. I love the Artu Karki pick. Like, I think yeah. I, I was... I was a bigger fan of his start the season than, than you were. Uh, mm-hmm. But I was a big fan of the offensive creativity. I wasn't quite as put off by the defensive game as other scouts were. That could have been a sample issue of mine. Uh, mm-hmm. But I I love the creativity. He's really daring. He's he's quite mobile. Uh, he was doing some really fun things. And to get that at 96 is really fun value, too. Absolutely. So that's been our draft hall of the Pacific Division. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in for this episode. If you like what you've been watching uh, on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment. If you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. For your second listen of the day, make sure to check out Locked On Sports today. Uh, they've got great headlines and news for you about what's going on in the sports world in general. So make sure to check them out. This has been Hattie Kalakesh and Sebastian High, and we'll see you tomorrow.